0: Hey there, I'm Caitlin Daly, and you're listening to Listen Up, a podcast series that shows you how to get more out of the music you love. My parents are literally opposites in every way. He's 6'4", she's 5'1", he's Irish, she's German, she's got a bunch of hair, he's missing half of his, and the funniest contrast is in their taste in music. My dad could talk to you about Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, or Tchaikovsky's first piano concerto, all day long. And my mom? It took her about 20 years to get out of the 80s and their hair metal. While they may not agree much on what to listen to in the car, they've enjoyed a long and happy marriage. And I think the real secret to their marriage can be found in their seemingly opposite musical choices, and that they aren't really opposites at all. Let's start by laying some ground rules. What is heavy metal exactly? One of the most important characteristics that defines heavy metal is its use of distortion. When we think of distortion in heavy metal, it's usually marked by that edgy, growling feel. For example, VH1 ranked Black Sabbath's Iron Man from 1970 as the greatest heavy metal song of all time. You can also hear this kind of distortion in Megadeth's Tornado of Souls from 1990. To say, for me to do? For me. And in Judas Priest's Firepower from their latest album put out this year. Even though these examples cross over a few decades, they share this common timbre. So I bet right now you're thinking, okay, but Mozart does never use a distortion pedal on his guitar. Although, how awesome would that have been? Okay, well, you'd be right. However, there are a lot of classical music examples that use distortion, just in a bit of a different sense. If you think of the word, there are many ways to distort something. Think of all those crazy types of mirrors and creepy fun houses. They're all mirrors, but some make you look tall, short, fat, skinny, weird, etc. Some composers in the 20th century tried to figure out how they could distort sounds and make musical compositions out of it. Listen to this one piece by Carl Stockhausen from around 1955. You'll hear voices that were recorded and then distorted with tape players. Mario Davidovsky won a Pulitzer Prize in 1971 for his piece called Synchronisms No. 6 for piano and electronics. His synchronisms were written for pre-recorded electronics, which were then played alongside real instruments. In performance, Davidovsky distorts the pre-recorded sounds and then gets a dialogue going between them and the instruments. Take a listen. Both of those are examples of avant-garde music, written by new music lovers for new music lovers, and only appealing to a very small subset of the population. But by the 80s and 90s, people were looking for new ways to reach broader audiences. An ensemble named Bang on a Can was born out of this search. In this clip, you can hear a Bang on a Can ensemble play a piece by Steve Reich called Electric Counterpoint. Listen to the distortion in their guitars. along these lines is still written today. Reese Chatham wrote a piece called A Crimson Grail for 400 electric guitars in 2009. Take a listen to what that sounds like. And distortion isn't just limited to guitars. Listen to this incredible electric tuba solo in a piece off of David Lang's album called Are You Experienced? It's like listening to Jimi Hendrix play tuba. Another characteristic of metal music is its volume. Psychologist Jeffrey Arnett writes that heavy metal music is the sensory equivalent of war, and I'm guessing a large part of that is in the volume. It can really be an assault on your eardrums if you're not expecting it. In fact, this song was used frequently as a means of torture for some prisoners in Guantanamo Bay. Some detainees suffered from significant hearing loss because of this practice. (laughs) Classical music is no stranger to loud volume. Sometimes, the volume comes from just the sheer amount of performers on stage. Mahler's Eighth Symphony needs so many people to play its parts that its nickname is the Symphony of a Thousand. Other times, one single instrument can create a crazy huge sound, like this solo piano work by Ligeti called The Devil's Staircase. And the loudest sounds can come from a little external help, like this famous tune by Tchaikovsky. That was a live recording of his 1812 Overture by the Japanese Army, complete with real howitzer cannons. The third really important quality that defines metal music is its bass. Listen to the opening to White Zombie's Black Sunshine. You can feel it reverberate in your chest. Classical music is no stranger to low bass sounds. Many times, a composer will use them at particularly ominous moments. For example, Wagner uses a low-pitched melody to showcase a storm at the beginning of his opera named The Valkyrie. We hear the same idea in instrumental movie soundtracks. Like when Hans Zimmer wrote the theme to The Dark Knight Rises. And a super fun, though kind of out of the ordinary example of low sounds, comes from a type of voice called basso profundo. Listen to soloist Glenn Miller sing Pavel Chesnikov's piece, Do Not Cast Me Off In My Old Age. Another really important quality to metal music is something that you've been experiencing a lot of through all of the samples that you've heard so far the headbanging aspect. Composers and writers make this happen by giving the music a really driving, accented rhythmic pattern. It can be done through the drums, like the song Trouble by Five Finger Death Punch. A crazy fast double bass drum pedal, like that found in Trivium's The Sin and the Sentence. If you thought that that drumming was too fast for a human, you're correct. A bass drum pedal normally works with the drummer's foot pushing down on the pedal, which strikes the drum. A double bass drum pedal hits the bass drum when the foot pushes up or down on the pedal, so she or he can hit the drum twice as many times. And when the guitars and double bass drum combine, it's time to mosh! You may be questioning how much this translates into the classical world, but let me blow your mind with two head-banging pieces in their own right. First up is Karl Orff's Carmina Burana, specifically the movement called O Fortuna. While the text that the chorus sings was written in the Middle Ages, Carl Orff wrote his piece in the mid-1930s. The piece has been a part of many movie soundtracks, commercials, and sampled across different genres of music. Take a listen and see if your head doesn't start banging just a little bit. The second piece of music that will get your head moving is from Giuseppe Verdi's Requiem, specifically the Dies Irae movement. Dies Irae translates from Latin to day of wrath. I mean, can you get any more metal? And the lyrics talk about the last judgment, when trumpets sound and people must face God to determine if they can enter heaven or get cast out to hell forever. I once sat between two choirs singing this piece at those exact moments and was basically blown out of my seat. Finally, I want to recognize the virtuosic musicianship required by both metal and classical. Think about Eddie Van Halen shredding an eruption. or Jeff Hanneman from Slayer. listen to this opera singer shred. This is Lorraine Hunt singing La Justicia from Handel's Julius Caesar. Now let's listen to a violinist perform a cadenza, or improvisatory sounding solo, from Beethoven's Violin Concerto. Although Beethoven originally intended for this to be improvised by the performer, there are now standard versions that different violinists play. This version of the cadenza is being performed by violinist Fritz Kreisler. listen to another cadenza, written for the Beethoven Concerto, by Russian composer Alfred Schnitka in the 1970s. It's played by a violinist named Gideon Kramer. <laughs> That's pretty different, isn't it? Even though heavy metal and classical music might look different on the outside, they are made of very similar stuff on the inside, so don't be afraid to bang your head the next time you listen to a violinist shredding a cadenza. Listen Up is hosted by me, Caitlin Daly. Our research assistant is Marissa Moore. Listen Up is produced by the New Haven Symphony Orchestra in partnership with the School of Communication, Media, and the Arts at Sacred Heart University.